This week's support for the Fine Print with Attorney Jen Route comes from Thrivent Financial. For more than 100 years, Thrivent has offered financial guidance about saving, spending, and sharing. Thrivent helps more than 2.3 million member owners be wise with money through its broad range of products and services, including life insurance, annuities, and mutual funds. To learn more about what makes Thrivent unique, contact John Grolo, FIC Financial Associate, at 614-567-7141. And now, The Fine Print with Attorney Jen Rout. Hi, and welcome to The Fine Print with Attorney Jen Rout. I am not Attorney Jen Rout. Uh, I am, however, her faithful, uh, adoring, intelligent, and, and intellectual sidekick, uh, Ben Niedenthal. Uh, Jen is actually out today. She had an attorney emergency pop up, uh, so she won't be joining us. Uh, maybe she'll be joining us remotely, um, but uh, I am joined today by Michael Gallagher, and uh, Michael Gallagher is a, an intellectual property attorney. Uh, Michael, if you want to say hi to everybody, just kind of lean on into the microphone there. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me with you this morning. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, intellectual property is one of those things where I've had a lot of questions about intellectual property for a long time, and I've actually worked with Michael before. Uh, he helped me do some some general copywriting and, and trademarking on my first student film many, many years ago. Um, and uh, so it, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting area of law that, that Jen actually doesn't know all that much about. I'm not throwing her into the bus or anything like that. But uh, um, so, okay, I guess the first kind of general question is, I mean, in a nutshell, what is intellectual property? Well, that's actually a very good question because, uh, and I'm glad you mentioned trademark and copyright because uh, the number one thing I think we think about are patents. I am a registered patent attorney, uh, and that's a, a majority of my practice, but intellectual property as a field encompasses patents, trademarks, and copyrights, and to some extent, trade secret law. Okay, okay. So we're talking people who invent things come to you and they need to get something patented so that it's theirs. People invent things or processes are usually patents. People who think of uh, clever names and symbols to, to sell things under are trademarks and people who have uh, creative uh, expositions like your film uh, and other creative works end up in the copyright area. Very interesting. How long have you been doing this? I have been doing this for almost 18 years. Oh wow. I'm a partner at Gallagher and Dossie uh, right now you know, here in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Uh, so Eighteen years. I mean, how did you how did you get into IP? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, it, it's a teeny bit of a long story, but I was a journalist immediately before this, and I was working for the uh, daily newspaper in Colorado Springs, Ohio, and was sitting there one day. Uh, I re read a story that said a daily newspaper closes in America every day. Oh my goodness. And I realized that I needed to uh, do something that was a little <laughs> bit more permanent. <laughs> and to make a long story short, the best law school that would take me, not necessarily the best law school, but the best law school that would take me was the Ohio State University. It's a and good school. <laughs> it is a wonderful school. I enjoyed it immensely. Graduated in 2001. And then David Dossie and I started our firm immediately thereafter. That's very interesting. I like that. Okay. So, um, so yeah. And I mean, 18 years ago, I mean, that was before the internet really started 
it was know, getting huge. So, I mean, that's that's incredible foresight to have. The, 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 <laughs> it, 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 when I was in law school, the internet was very much uh, an early stage curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a, you know, knickknack people could mess around with a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, now it's, you know, the thing. So, so I mean, okay, so I guess the first question I have is, what exactly does an IP attorney do? Like, what is your sort of day-to-day, -day, you know, who do you talk to the most, that sort of thing? Well, uh, I, I suppose you could divide it up m most easily into the uh, uh, protection side mm -hmm. um, and then to a smaller extent the enforcement side um, because well, one, one of the difficulties uh, in intellectual property is that it's up to the holder of the intellectual property by and large to do the enforcement. Okay. Uh, the government may grant the protection but it is the individual property owner who has to take action when something's being uh, infringed or something's okay. in, in interfering with his product. So I spend most of my time helping people get patents, get trademarks or copyrights, and then a smaller amount of time helping them enforce their rights in those inventions. Okay. All right. Um, so, I mean, I guess, like, so you, you come up with, in my case, I came up with a film, um, and I needed to be able to chop it around and show it to festivals, that sort of thing. So, I mean, I, what is sort of the, the starting point there? It's, I mean, it's copywriting it. That's copywriting, yeah. and uh, it, I, I'm, I'm delighted to talk about that first because mm -hmm. copyright is probably the most underappreciated form of intellectual property protection. Mm -hmm. um, I would also say m most misunderstood from my perspective anyway. I, I, perhaps. I talk to a lot of clients perhaps. that seem to think you can just use whatever song you want and, and you know, and, yeah. and, and that's totally cool. I, it, 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 it is. Yeah, that, that's a great mis misperception. Um, yeah. and, and it's somewhat of a generational uh, issue because I, I do work, have worked in the past some with Colorado College of Art and Design students. And the fact is that when, when, a, when an artist is, is young and in their early stages, um, they borrow other people's work. They try on other genres, they try on the work of others, and they uh, c come eventually to their own voice. Uh, but it's a it is a process of assimilating a lot of, mm -hmm. of what's been been gone before. So that that the young artist group tends to be have be of the belief that content should be free. Mm -hmm. uh, as they progress in the in their art, <laughs> um, they tend to develop art, and yes. they tend to want to make a living. Sometimes <laughs> actually then, doing this, and then they flip sides completely. <laughs> and they flip sides. They flip sides, and they are not so eager to have other people sampling and yeah. trying on their yeah. art. So, you know, you have to balance the two sides. Yeah, and um, there's, there's a lot of really interesting stuff that's sort of along those lines. Like, I, I mean, and, and this is just because of, you know, what I do is, you know, media production. I, I deal with a lot with the, the, you know, the sides of it, like like parody and and stuff like that, that, that sort of gets into, like, yes, you can use a song that exists, but it's it the 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 performance of the music itself is copywritten, but the lyrics, if it's something that is a parody of the song, uh, for example, Weird Al Yankovic, one of my favorite artists of all time, um, is <laughs> right, uh, right, right. is able right. to get away with what right. he does because a he calls right. and asks permission from the artists, but also because right. of 
parody laws, right. he's allowed well, to do it. Most people have trouble believe, truly believing that law is logical, but to to to, <laughs> uh, to a very large extent, it is. Yeah. And uh, the the writers of copyright law have understood that if you put a huge, a too big a barrier around creative work, you eventually stifle creativity. Right. So what you're speaking of, it falls into a general class of things called fair use. Okay. Parody is one of them. Commentary is another one. If okay. you wanted to write or if you wanted to do a show, a book review, uh, th that's an exception. You can take little excerpts out of something to do a review of it. Would that also kind of fit like YouTube shows that do like reviews of movies? Sure. And, yeah. re re commentary. Commentary mm -hmm. is uh, is another instance of fair use. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the problem with fair use is that everybody who takes anything thinks that it's fair use. Right. But the reality is that the doctrine is a lot more limited <laughs> than that. Yeah. And it seems like since people are policing this themselves, and that's kind of how it's set up, that it's yeah. a lot of times it's you want to make sure you're doing the right thing up front, you know, not necessarily because you're definitely going to someone's definitely going to come down on you, but it's the possibility is there and you need to just protect yourself. Sure. Sure. And yeah. I, I think at, at, at heart, most people do want to do the right thing. Yeah. They, they, they don't want to, they're, they don't want to steal other people's work. They're sure. creating their own work. Yes. Um, but it, it can be difficult sometimes to know who owns a copyright. Uh, it can be difficult to negotiate the use of it. Mm -hmm. um, it, 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 we're still operating under a lot of 19th and 20th century law in mm -hmm. copyright, and yeah. it is not always very easy to navigate. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so let's talk about patents. You do a lot of patent work I as do. well. Mm -hmm. um, so this is people who come up with a process or an invention or uh, you know something along those lines, right, right? And then they need to make that their thing. So what is what is the process like for getting a patent? Well, the, the the process for getting a patent is to file an application, which is not an application in the sense of like filling in the blanks for getting a driver's license. Mm. This is an original legal document, original creation, um, and proposing a process or a device uh, with some very tightly circumscribed limits called claims mm. uh, and uh, going through a government process to assess it under two scales. One is it new mm -hmm. and that's a very low bar because if even if things are just slightly changed, uh, the government will consider them new. So almost everybody gets past the newness barrier. Gotcha. Uh, the second one is where I probably spend 80% of my time trying to talk to people because it's a very difficult concept. Uh, the government calls it obviousness. Okay. Most of the Western world has a, similar laws and a better term. They call it inventive step. Okay. And the question is, is your change over what's been done before enough of an inventive step? Enough of an evolution to whatever not the thing the was. Not a tiny tweak. Right. Not something that would be obvious if you sat down and thought about it, but right. there's there enough of a move forward even though it's built on something that went before, mm -hmm. is there still enough moving forward to say, yes, this person deserves a patent? Mm -hmm. And if they get it, then uh, there is uh, the patent protection extending you know, considerably. So sort of building the better mousetrap, so yeah, to speak. the better yeah. mousetrap. And yeah. mousetraps have been around since someone dropped a rock on a mouse. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's it. You know, is it new and is it non-obvious? Um, so, okay. So 
And then the flip side of that coin is the other part of the practice is the enforcement of Uh patent rights. Because once again, while the government grants the rights, it is up to the individual to have to enforce them. Uh, and you know, it's a, it's a wonderful discussion that could can go on for years, and it has. Is the American legal system is basically one in which everyone bears their own costs, mm. and therefore a party who has a very good lawsuit but not money to move it forward mm-hmm. is very disadvantaged over maybe someone whose case is a lot weaker but who can afford the costs of mm. you know. And that's just an American system? That's usually called the American system. Oftentimes you'll hear talk of the British system under which if someone loses a lawsuit, they Mm -hmm. pay the costs of the winner. Okay. Uh, But here, both sides go in and both sides pay their bills and win or lose, both sides are on their own. Okay. Uh, We do have a question from uh, Jen who's uh, joined us uh, remotely here. Hello, Jen. She uh, she says, uh, what if you give somebody credit for something that you borrowed? Like, for example, this is my interpretation of what somebody else has done. You know, sort of, uh, you know, what if, can you give credit and get away with that from a legal perspective or is that? No. You might. (laughs) Pretty simple. That's like saying I picked this up at Walmart. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah, so you may have be give, you may be giving them credit, but if the fact is that you stole it, yeah, uh, that's the problem. Now it may it may make the person feel a little bit better, yeah, and certainly that would be uh, you know the upfront way of handling it is mm-hmm. a lot of times in in creative properties maybe that'll go a long way toward getting you permission to use it. Yeah, is is credit especially yeah. because a lot of uh, blog casters and vlog mm-hmm. people are really looking to spread the word yeah and they're they don't feel bad having their work borrowed as sure. long as they get yeah, creative credit for yeah it. and i mean I, to, from from my perspective there i've been amazed how many times a simple phone call and just you know saying that's all hey i'm doing a thing do you mind if i use this yeah. many times people are like yeah cool many times yeah and many it's times. and it's amazing how often that's just kind of you know, copyright, and it seems like this big, scary, complicated thing, but a lot of times it's a cup of coffee and a conversation. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. If it needs to get into legal terms, that's, that's you know, you know where you can go from there. So, you know, here at Boxland, we produce radio and TV commercials. Um, and recently, we had a, a client that came to us, and they said, hey, I want to use this song from 1968 called Nobody But Me. And I'm sure you know the song. I probably shouldn't sing it here, especially with an intellectual property attorney. Um, <laughs> but not a music critic. <laughs> but not a music critic, yes. But uh, and, and they said, we want to use this song. And, and just through the sites that I know to go to, I went and looked it up and it turns out just using the song for like a one year use and the commercial purpose would cost somewhere between 200,000 and $500,000 just to use, which obviously put a damper on the plan to use that. In the commercial. Precisely. <laughs> so, you know, uh, do you, do you deal a lot with like music industry? Um, uh, not a great deal. Yeah. Not a great deal. But I, w- there is a recurring question that comes up is there is a an urban myth that if you use less than a certain number of seconds of a material or mm-hmm. less than six bars of music or I, I, I've forgotten exactly what the myth is. Right. That it's yeah. okay. It's like I've heard less than five seconds. And, yes. Yeah. Yes. Name that tune. Uh, it, 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 no, this is not so. It does not surprise me. No, that this is not true. true. If it's recognizable as yeah. the other work, right, and, and that you copy the other work, yeah. it's, it would be a copyright infringement, regardless gotcha. of the length. Gotcha. Okay. Um, 
What about using a component of something in something that you were creating, a sort of a, an ingredient, so to speak? People use samples for modern day music all the time of older songs, and it may be just like a quick bar of something that they put, and then they put a whole bunch of other stuff on top of it. Yeah, the, um, the, the, the that's a big gray zone because, yeah. there, like I say, there's no magic line that you can cross. Sure. A good, uh, a good question to ask yourself is, does this in any way impair the owner of the original work? Mm -hmm. So that if you're using a, a, a certain amount of a song, people recognize it as the song. They think you have the permission of the owner to use it. Yeah. Now you've really, you're kind of crossing the line toward really appropriating their work. Right. Which kind of gets into the, like the realm. I, the example I always like to use is uh, the, th the Ghostbusters theme from Ray Parker Jr. Who... I mean, if you listen to the, the he was sued for uh, for copyright infringement because uh, I believe it was uh, Huey Lewis said it's exactly like a song. I want a new drug. And if you listen to the two songs, I mean, it's uh -huh. close enough. So, yes. yeah. And there is a big lawsuit. And he. You yes. Know. And, and the test for copyright is pretty, pretty broad. If you set the work side by side and the mm -hmm. the average consuming person says, yeah, I think this was been copied, yeah. uh, then then that's a copyright infringement. Yeah. It's not rocket science by, <laughs> by any means. Yeah, it's, 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 it seems like it'd be kind of a weird area just because a lot of it's very subjective. Can I throw, while we're on copyright, yeah. let me throw in a f plug for the U.S. government. The, uh, <laughs> well, they, need they, need my help. they need all the help. Um, every country has a, a copyright registrar, and okay. that's the person who tracks copyrights. For the United States, it's the Library of Congress Okay, re registers all the copyrights. They have one of the best government websites in America. Really? Copyright.gov. I'm writing that down right now. Well, it's, it's easy to remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you want to. Not, 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 it, it's government, so it's .gov. Copyright.gov okay. has more instructive material, brochures, explanations, teaches you how to do your own copyright application, which we recommend to our clients. Sure. Uh, they're easy to do mm. if it's a simple case. Uh, but but go to copyright.gov and you'll learn more about copyright than you, you could believe possible. And it's, it's well-written, simple, excellent people. Hmm. Very interesting. Okay. Copyright.gov. Um, what's, let's see. Um, Let's say somebody wants to embark on a creative endeavor, create a podcast similar to this or something, and they want to do something where it's like they're playing music on it, but it is music that is copyrighted and owned. Is that something that somebody could do, or is that something that... I mean, I know that there's licenses you can get from the FCC that would allow you to kind of like broadcast licenses. That's sort yeah. Of there's some. There are some collectives. The Copyright Clearinghouse, I believe, mm -hmm. is one. The Co Creative Commons is another. Mm -hmm. uh, not something that we deal with, uh, but y you never go wrong with original material. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> in, 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 that to the extent you're going to use anything from anybody else pre-recorded, um, I think it's wise to investigate the, the copyright status. You know, again, uh, that a lot of copyright holders are not going to be exorbitant or difficult in allowing things to be used. Mm -hmm. uh, clearly, if, so, if, you're, if, if someone wants to borrow my work to use for a Super Bowl commercial, uh, I'm going to expect to get paid pretty yeah. well. If somebody's uh, locally blogging uh, something, then I yeah. may have a much more reasonable attitude. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, if it's something that's just kind of reaching a small audience versus the largest audience you can possibly reach. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um,
So, I mean, we, we already talked about who polices it, and it's kind of up to the individual who owns the rights to whatever you're doing. Um, <laughs> here's another myth that I've always heard. Can you really mail yourself a something, in, uh, like a patent or a copyright, and have that, like, mail it to yourself and have the... No. The, no, I figured that... That, was, is, uh, that is also <laughs> a myth. There is no, there is no mail-in yeah. rule. Yeah. There's, it no. seems to me like that every time you hear one of those, it makes you kind of go... Huh? Really? That seems that seems yeah. odd. You know that's yes, that, that's that should that's in the category flag. of maybe yeah. too too good to be true. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's exactly, exactly. what exactly. it is. Now there are some options in in patenting. There mm -hmm. are, are provisional patent applications. There are certain things that that can save some money mm -hmm. uh, up front. But uh, basically, you're either going to protect your work or you're not. Yeah. Um, have you done any patent work on anything? Notable that we would have heard of or anything? Uh, no, I, I, I can't say that it would be. Uh, well, uh, my partner, David Dossey, is, uh, has become probably America's premier golf patent attorney. Really? And if you play golf, you are, play, you are undoubtedly playing golf with clubs that uh, he in, was involved in, in Interesting. patenting. Um, I can't name our, uh, his clients' names, but sure. uh, they're, they're out there. Um, we were uh, formerly outside counsel for Cardinal Health here in Columbus. Uh, Cardinal Health has transitioned away from a lot of the invention work that they used to do, uh, but we worked on some drug formulations and drug packaging you know, work for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, usually we're in the background. They're, yeah. they're not, uh, we don't get our name put on products. And, right. uh, we don't get associated with them. Yeah. So you wouldn't really know. I, I, I feel a little bit myself. It's like we produce the ads for companies, but we're never the people exactly. who are in the ads. So yeah, I, I can relate to that a little bit. Uh, we do have a question from the audience. Uh, Jessica writes in, uh, long ago in high school, I took photos of my artwork, mailed them to myself, believing that it would copyright them. Figures that wasn't the right way to do it. What is the right way to copyright a painting or drawing for an artist? I think she was taking pictures of her own work. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Now, copyright is, is a little bit different in that copyright exists from the moment of what's called fixation. So, Jessica, when you took those pictures, those pictures were automatically copyrighted to you. They mm. were and are legally recognized as being your copyright. To register the copyright, which would give you extra and very, very beneficial legal protections, you go to copyright.gov and it will you follow the instructions there uh, for reg registering a work of visual art. Um, I believe the current fee is $50. You can is put in per? No, you can. And that's oh, another wow. wonderful thing. You can make collections. Oh, wow. You could make a collection of 100 pictures gotcha. as long as they had some unifying feature, yeah. which could be. Uh, this is my, my winter of artwork. Well, this is my winter 2018 collection. Yeah. Okay. Even that. That, uh, that, you that know, brought, a time huh. collection. Interesting. Um, and register the copyright in that. Huh. Um, very straightforward process. Uh, we have we've recommended because it, there's a certain cost mm -hmm. in us establishing a, a client relationship and opening a file and mm -hmm. taking on a new client. Sure. And copyright is so easy and so inexpensive yeah. that most of the time when people call, we uh, tell them, go to copyright.gov. Yeah. You can register this yourself. And uh, people have just been very, very successful with it. That's so, great. It's, it's interesting because it's like usually when we talk to other attorneys on the show, 
the, the, the general response is, well, it depends, and you should talk to your attorney first just to make sure you're well, going. And they don't recommend course. things like LegalZoom and, and all the well, other. Well, I don't recommend LegalZoom. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let's I get carried away, carried <laughs> away here. Say but, that here. But, but copyright <laughs> is a special kind of a beast. Sure. I would not say that same thing about trademark. I right. certainly wouldn't say the same thing about patents. Okay. But in a relatively straightforward copyright situation, I think that is somewhere where the person can can move forward on their own. Okay. Uh, we do have another question from the audience here. Uh, when do you need a trademark? What's the process? How much does that cost? Okay. A trademark is, an, is a mis is a lot of misunderstood issues around it. A trademark is a word or a symbol or a slogan mm -hmm. under which you sell goods or okay. services. Okay. It is a brand. Okay. Okay. It is a brand name. Now, trademark does exist the minute you start using a brand. You can, okay. you can get a logo, you can design your own logo, you can design your own slogan and whatever, just start using it, and you acquire some rights in the trademark. Mm. When you get to the point where you are developing interstate sales, mm -hmm. that brings you under the federal government's aegis, and mm -hmm. at that point, you're eligible for a federally registered trademark. Okay. By f by far and near, the greatest mistake people make in trademarking is not getting a good trademark search okay. beforehand. Okay. Now we'd have it and we are we are one of many and I don't claim to be better than everyone else in the field. Uh, we have a website that's called the trademarkfirm.com mm. uh, under which we do a trademark search of federal state Common law, look-alike, sound-alike, internet usages, all all of that for uh, four hundred ninety-five dollars. Mm -hmm. um, there are other there are other services out there that I'm sure are equally as good, but a good trademark search is is one done by a trademark attorney uh, that will explore all the different possible ways that a mark may be in use, because there are so many trademarks now in existence. It is very imagine. difficult to know what's registered. I can't even imagine. Not. I mean, just you figure if every company has a logo trademarked or something along those lines, I mean, well, a logo, the, the, the worst ones are words, yeah. are, are words or uh, plays on words that uh, people think are infinitely uh, clever and original, but there actually <laughs> are many people who have had something pretty similar to yeah. in the past, yeah. and the real, the real, the shame of it is that a lot of people will concoct a trademark on their own. They will start using it. They will invest time, money, and energy in that, mm. and then one day a letter comes from the holder of the registered mark that says you must stop doing this, mm. um, and that's just a bad spot to begin because then you have to rebrand, rebrand everything, and, and go back to the beginning that's when, bad news <laughs> yeah when, when you could have avoided that yeah that's and that's that's a that's a big deal Upfront. especially for a company who's even slightly well, established. brand is everything now yeah. you know you alluded we talked about you know the internet you know the internet is 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 everything now yeah. brand is everything yeah uh, names that you recognize names that you trust somebody you've had a good experience with in the past yeah. uh, the amount of input is so overwhelming yeah that we lean on brand designations yeah. in our purchasing uh, probably more now than any other time in history yeah and it's I mean it, in this day and age it's like you when you get on the internet when you get on Facebook when you get on 
you know, Google or whatever you are, like you, you, you establish yourself as, as a brand and, and, sure. and maintaining that brand, especially if you're making any kind of money off of what you're doing. Is sure. I mean, who hasn't looked at a, you know, at a page of Google results and said, oh, I know that one. Yeah. I, 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 rem I recognize that name. Yeah. And that's the one yeah. you click on first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Google, there's a word right there that I'm sure is a trademark name that is, I mean, time somebody says, yeah, I'm going to go Google that. I mean, exactly. Google's become and, synonymous. And, and it's it's a little bit of a digression, but, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, a doctrine in trademark law called genericide, mm. in which when a word becomes the generic word for something, it loses its trademark status. Really? Aspirin was a trademark at one time. Uh, huh. Escalator was a trademark at one time. Huh. Um, the owners of the marks uh, Kleenex, yeah. And Xerox uh -huh. fight continuously. They will run advertisements and say, please don't ask your secretary to Xerox this document. Yeah. You know, that is a yeah. trademark. That That's... is not a generic name. Huh. And I think Google's right in that spot now because, I, I mean, you don't hear anybody ever say, well, I think I'm going to search engine. Yeah. You know, this term. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go do a search on this. Yeah. It's, you yeah, know, it's, I'm going to go Google this. I'm going to go Google it. Or if yeah. you ask somebody a question, they say, Google it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I have to imagine that's a really hard thing to... And you to, might be using Bing or you might be using, yeah. you know, any other search <laughs> I've, engine. I've worked with clients that are like, well, I'm Googling that right now. And you look on their site and you're on Bing. You're not even Googling. <laughs> you're Binging. You're that. Binging. Yeah, you're yeah. Binging, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. Okay, so, um, so if people need to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Well, I'm uh, with the intellectual property law firm. All we do is tr patents, trademarks, and copyrights. We're at Gallagher and Dossie. We're in Columbus, Ohio. We Our website is a, is a bit of a long one, but it's not too hard to remember. It's invention-protection.com. All right. And we'll add that into the show notes here. All right. Um, uh, and uh, are, do you have a Facebook presence or? Uh, we do. Um, uh, we're, we're, you can Google us. Uh, you can Google me, Michael Gallagher, patent attorney. I'll, I think I'm probably going to be the only one uh, with, with that name and designation. Fair enough. Uh, we take uh, phone calls. Uh, we're, 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 we're good. We're like all lawyers. We're good talkers. And <laughs> <laughs> we like to hear from people. Excellent. And I have to say that it, uh, intellectual property law is a fun practice. I imagine because it is. Because everybody who I see has just had some kind of a creative exposition. Yeah. They've invented something. They've thought up a catchy trademark. They've created a work of art. You know, I'm very, very fortunate in my practice. Nobody's going to jail. Nobody's getting divorced. Nobody's fighting for child custody. Nobody's been in an accident. They're trying to get money yeah. for their injuries. All the very, very sad things that lawyers, <clears throat> you know, have to do to help people day yeah. in and day out. That's pretty much missing from my practice. I, I have a pretty sweet place to be. I have happy clients. <laughs> yeah, they're good. happy with themselves, and, yeah. and that makes it easy to work with them. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's that's great. That's awesome. Um, well, awesome. Well, hey, we got a couple things we got to do for housekeeping here. Um, if you would like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Facebook. That's kind of our primary landing page where you can comment, get news, or even suggest topics for future episodes. If you're already following us, thank you. We love you. You can also follow Boxland Media on Facebook as well. We do lots of things up to and including putting out the fine print with Attorney Jen route every single week. Uh, and uh, if you are new to the show, welcome. We hope you come back. If you like the show, we would really appreciate it if you could take a few minutes out of your busy day, head on over to iTunes and rate and review us. It really helps us out with our visibility on the largest podcast repository.
Finally, we'd like to thank all of our listeners. It's because of you that our podcast even exists. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button. And remember, sharing is, in fact, caring. And uh, we like to end our shows on a, uh, with, a, with a joke of the week. Um, and uh, we started off with, with lawyer jokes. And as oh, it turns out, how unusual. <laughs> uh, as it turns out, there is a finite number of lawyer jokes. And we have recently run out of them. There's approximately 75 lawyer jokes that get kind of uh, reconfigured or remixed. Uh, so now we're just doing stupid jokes. So today's stupid joke of the week is, uh, did you hear about the two antennas that got married? No, I didn't hear that. It was a very nice ceremony, but the reception was amazing. I know, it's not Excellent. even worth <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so, well, hey, Michael, thank you very, very uh, much for being, being here. here. Ben. Thank this you. is great, and, uh, and hopefully if anybody needs to get a hold of you, we'll have all the, the contact info in the show notes. I look forward but, to uh, it. All right, folks. Well, until next time, uh, I am Ben Niedenthal. Uh, subbing in for Jen Rout, and uh, we will see you next time. This program is meant to be informative in nature and does not constitute actual legal advice or form an attorney-client relationship in any way. Views and opinions stated in this program are solely the views and opinions of the speaker. Each situation is different. Always consult an attorney in your state to analyze your specific legal needs. This program may change your views of attorneys in general, as they are not what they seem on TV. I mean, seriously. Did the main character in Suits actually exist in real life? Foxland Media. Think big.